Good morning. Glad to hear that you're all awake <laughs> and that you're ready for worship. Um, again, my name is Reverend Darrell Goodwin. I have the privilege and honor of serving as your executive conference minister of the Southern New England Conference, and I'm going to offer a couple of words. You will join me in a word of prayer. Creator of all things, we trust that you will send unto us a word of life, a word of renewal, and a word of celebration. God, we know that you're already here. Waken us up to your spirit. Amen. I'm going to sing a song that I hope is a testimony to who you are, who you want to continue to be, and is a celebration of these 30 years. Listen to the words of this song. You won't leave here like you came in love's name, bound, oppressed, broken, sick or the same, for the power of love is still the same. You won't leave here like you came in love's name. I won't leave here like I came in love's name. Bound, oppressed, broken, sick or the same, for the power of love is still the same. I can't leave here like I came in love's name. We won't leave here like we came in love's name. Bound, oppressed, broken, sick or the same. For the power of love is still the same. You won't leave here like you came. I can't leave here like I came. We won't leave here like we came in love's name. All right, okay, we get amens and stuff. <laughs> Sorry for the little morning rasp, but if you were to imagine, what does it mean to create a safe, and sacred space where people will not leave the same way they came? What does it mean to be a church that someone who may have assumed that they would not be welcome in the house of God, they couldn't be loved in the house of God, they couldn't be accepted in the house of God, but somehow they find themselves here at First Church and they get a new revelation that they do not have to leave the same way they came, doubting God's love, doubting God's acceptance, doubting whether or not they can be a part of a community and have communion again. And then you all, through action, through a statement, and even through a vote 30 years ago, declared we want to interrupt that narrative for people so that they might find that they've always been loved by God, they've always been accepted by God, and they've always been a part of God's family. That's enough to celebrate 30 years of being open and affirming. In the United Church of Christ, we have two designations. Well, really three, but I'm, let me focus on two. The first one is the designation of don't ask, don't tell. 
We aren't going to be mean to people. We're not going to be like you're not welcome, but we aren't going to say anything about it. So we're a little quiet. Don't ask, don't tell version option one. Option two is a term called faithful and welcoming. And what that really means is that you can come here, but we're going to be faithful to our interpretation of Scripture, which says that there's more God needs to do in you for you to be fully accepted. And then there's open and affirming. The notion of being open and affirming suggests that not only are you open in your hearts and minds, but this is not just about a quota, it's about affirmation. So not only is this church open to, say, for instance, me and my husband coming, but that we might feel affirmed in who God has created us to be because of your orientation as a church. Amen. What it means is that our family is a family. What it means is our future children are just our future children, which means is that our marriage might not have to be deemed as gay marriage. It might just be marriage. Comes with the same tax implications, if you didn't know. (laughs) But it's deciding and discerning how do you want to orient yourself as that open and the affirming congregation so that you might change lives. Here's the bad news, friends. Do you know last year in this country, there were put forward over 520 pieces of legislation that were anti-LGBT. 520 pieces of legislation. Now, I use the phrase put forward because thanks be to God that most of them failed before they were even able to move to a vote. But 220 still passed. 220 things, pieces of legislation passed in this country in 2023. Most of these were copy-paste bills. They happened in one place, so they were copied in the next place, and they were copied in the next place. And I have to tell you that if you think Connecticut, New England, this wouldn't even be a thing, those same copycat bills were also attempting to be presented in Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and Connecticut. My friends, the movement to be anti-whatever, I want you to know, is not a sprint. It is a marathon. You plant the seed, you stir up fear, you create anxiety in people, and then what seems like that's a no-brainer, would never happen, somehow makes itself into law. We thought we fought for this, we thought we changed this, we thought we were all set, and then it rears its head again. You see, my siblings in Christ, in 1994, the people who had the boldness to articulate out loud who God was in this church probably prophetically believed that, guess what, though it's only going to get better from here. And yes, in many ways, it has gotten even better. Your love, I hope, has strengthened even more. Extravagant welcome has been stretched even the more. And yet, here we are in 2024 with some LGBTQIA people, even with the chairs outside and the banner on the side of the building, 
still now questioning whether or not you can really be as loving and welcoming as you say you are. Because every day, LGBT people are confronted with a narrative that says you don't even have rights. You cannot be fully seen. And more importantly, there is a louder voice saying, and on top of all that, God does not love you. In 2024, there are still churches in the Southern New England Conference. I'm not talking about the other people. <laughs> I'm talking about the congregational churches in the Southern New England Conference who have asked if I could come to preach, but do not bring Kenny. Why am I saying this? Why is on the anniversary he's bringing up so much bad news? Because I still see hope. Why do I see hope? Because I believe that we can do more than just be a microphone for justice. We might decide to be a megaphone for justice. What I mean by a megaphone is that you won't just celebrate what 30 years have been to each other but that you might discern that we need to do the E-word, which we do not like in congregationalism, evangelism. We might actually go outside of the four walls, even go outside of our comfortable friendship groups and tell people, if you are looking for a place of love, if you are looking for a place of affirmation, if you are looking for a place of hope, I might be able to tell you a place called First Church Fairfield. Anybody agree with that? We have to be able to give a counter-narrative so that the other one doesn't ring as loud and for some people as true. When we allow people to have cognitive dissonance, which means that they've had a difference of experience, then their hearts and minds have no choice in my philosophical understanding than to break open. In 1994, your conference minister was not open and affirming. I didn't even understand what that was and had never experienced the concept of it. So my 30 years ago was horrible moments, like when Arusia came and asked me if I thought God would accept that she was falling in love with Ariella and I was there to tell her no way. Because I didn't have a model. My church was not preaching God loves everybody, but kind of they were, but it was an asterisk. You have to read the fine print down at the bottom <laughs> that certain people just didn't get included. My open and affirming reality didn't actually come, my siblings, until I was pastoring my first church. I was pastoring my first church in Vermont, and all of God's people decided to come to church white and black and gay and straight and Christian and non-Christian. And here I was, having grown up in a very conservative church, going, what is God doing? And I have two choices. What a gift God has sent all of these people because I might convert them to truth. Or I might say, maybe I had some misunderstandings about what all of God's people meant. So my gift over 20-something years ago, after you all have already, you know, you're sailing your way forward, my gift was a lesbian couple who invited me to lunch. And they said, Pastor, we love your church. We love your preaching. We love everything that's happening here. But we want to know your heart. Are you truly welcoming us as full citizens in the kingdom of God? Or are you just inviting us so that one day we might be changed? That moment, that lunch, 
that undoubtedly they were paying for, <laughs> I felt this awkward conviction. I'm the pastor. Do I lie? Do I tell them I don't know? So I split set gave him an answer. No, I welcome you fully and authentically because God accepts you just as you are. Words I had never said out of my mouth ever. You see, my sibling, what changed was realizing that not proclaiming an inclusive gospel would have meant that these two women who had not been in a church in a decade would somehow realize yet again the doors of the church were closed. So I didn't consult polity. I didn't consult the church of my childhood. I didn't consult all the things that I thought I believed theologically. What I consulted was my heart. 30 years ago, people here consulted their heart and they made a deliberative decision that the rest of Christianity was still trying to wrap its mind around. And now it is your season and your turn and your responsibility to do that same heart thing yet again. I wish that there weren't other pastors like me 30 years ago who didn't know what to say or how to make sense out of this thing. Having an understanding in your heart that God is bigger, but having a theology that doesn't allow it. And me, my siblings in Christ, I had no model that there was another way. Now it is part of my responsibility to make sure in this very same region that in one year, 30 years ago, I didn't know there was another way that we might make sure that that number lessens and lessens and lessens and lessens. The gift you're giving the children here at First Church is that when they find themselves in college and graduate school and places that I found myself and someone is saying the anti-whatever, they will be able to say, I've always known a God that loved. I've always known a church that accepted. What are you talking about? I've seen couples get married at our church, irrespective of who they are. Love has no bounds. Love has no limits. They will be able to articulate it because of the bold witness that you have named. On this 30th anniversary, we celebrate those who have not yet sat in those chairs outside. Today, in 30 years, we call forth the people who have driven past the banner, but they're not quite sure if you mean what you say. On this 30th anniversary, we celebrate the ways in which you will be a megaphone for God's love, even to the point of making you uncomfortable because you realize that you being uncomfortable for a moment might heal somebody who could have been uncomfortable for a lifetime. Somebody ought to understand that. You have the ability to do it if we push ourselves a little bit further. I wish in Vermont someone from the Congregational Church had found me and said, Darrell, it's okay to be fully you. Thank God it didn't take too long and it wasn't too late. But on 30 years, we can reach out to those who, if we're not careful, it could be too long and it could be too late. So take this celebratory spirit alongside you this day. Take it with you as you race towards 31 and prayerfully towards 60 and 90 and one day 100 years of this church declaring that all of God's people were welcome. But no, 
We cannot make it to 31, 35, 40, or even 100 unless you're willing to be a megaphone for God's love. Blessings.